was a star in the east on Christmas morn. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. It will lead to the place where the Savior's born. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Leave your sheep and leave your lambs. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Leave your ewes and leave your rams. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow, follow. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow the star, the star of Bethlehem. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. If you take good heed of the angel's words, rise up, shepherd, and follow. You'll forget your flocks, you'll forget your herds. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Leave your sheep and leave your lambs. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Leave your ewes and leave your rams. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow, follow. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow the star, the star of Bethlehem. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow the star, the star of Bethlehem. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 to 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. This is God's word to God's people.
Wow, Advent, can you believe it already? After, uh, after what we've been through these last weeks, the heartache and the, uh, the uncertainty even of where we would be living. I don't know how you felt, but I kind of felt as I came to Thanksgiving that I was reaching out to it like it was a lifeline and just grabbing hold of it and trying to, trying to hold on. And, and now I find myself using that lifeline to pull me towards the manger. We want to have a, a series of sermons here in Advent that um, are maybe a little quieter than in past years where we center in on these four themes that are dominant for the season, <clears throat> hope and peace and love and joy. And today we're going to be talking about hope. A few years ago, there was this uh, terrorist attack in Paris, you will recall, and, and at that time when, when that happened, it got a lot of our attention, of course. We were heartbroken with the Parisians as to what had happened, and uh, the dean of the seminary where I got my master's, um, who also is a clergy friend here in this annual conference, uh, wrote a, pain, or, or a poem called Holding Pain, Suffering, and Fear, and it, it dealt with hope in a, a little bit of the few of the stanzas, and I want to share that with you today. In this week of terror, we can barely hold the pain. Hope will have to wait, but it will come, and it will hold us in our pain, and in the horrible sense of loss, and in the fear of more loss. Hope will bring no simple comfort, but it will speak to our depths and tap into our compassion, touch us with the holy presence, and invite our determined action when it comes. But for now, we wait and mourn. What Mary Elizabeth was tapping into, I think, was, was not just uh, some truths of our faith, but the reality of what, what grief and unsettlement can do to our spirits, and how in the process of healing, you can't rush hope. You can't say, come on, fill me with it tomorrow. I've had enough of this mourning. I've had enough of this sadness. And so what you do is you just kind of hunker down, don't you? You just kind of hunker down and you wait with an open soul, but you wait. And you have to sit in the pain to be truthful. You have to sit in the confusion. Honestly, you have to suffer the blow. You have to catch your breath so that you can get your bearings. Yet hope does come. It rises like the, the phoenix from the ashes. And that is because God's Spirit within us does not wither because of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. 
That indwelling spirit is like a ballast for our souls. It steadies our hearts and it calms our minds no matter how difficult the seas. It lifts our chins, I would say. It gets us out of bed. It, it gets us to go down the street. And we find a way to get on with life with some kind of positive regard, some kind of semblance of trust in one another, in our community, fellow man. Hope is powerful stuff. And I think it is on the move again among us here in the Caneo Valley, pulling us along to our future. Our scripture is a word of hope offered by God through Jeremiah to a downtrodden people in perilous times. They looked around themselves and they did not see much reason for hope. The time is coming, Jeremiah said, when I will fill, fulfill my gracious promise. I will raise up a righteous branch from David who will do what is right in the land. We Christians hear that as a foretelling of Christ Jesus' ministry. And the people who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. And the darkness, as heavy and as bleak as it seemed, did not extinguish the light. And it does not extinguish the light. Not then, not now. A radiant glory is the source of our hope, and we celebrate its birth this season. Our hope for now and our hope for the morrow. Indeed, one of the enduring themes of our Christmas celebrations all these centuries has been hope. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, of the Bethlehem babe who grew to be our Savior, our Lord, our Savior. And we see in Christ Jesus the hope of the world. God incarnate among us, showing us God's goodness is greater than the world's evil. Showing us that love is triumphant over hate. Showing us that grace and mercy 
do indeed reconcile, restore, and redeem. This is true. Claim it. Make it real for yourself. As needful as we all are of it this season. Hope heals. Hope heals as much as it encourages. We see this in our own lives. I hope we see it in the world. Paul writes of hope being among the three big gifts that God gives us. Hope, faith, and love. And he instructs us that hope is a powerful thing. We hope for that which we can't fully see yet. We hope for something that is not already in our grasp, but rather it is something that is still aspirational. It is still out there beyond where we can grasp. Yet we have gotten the glimpse of it We have a sense of what it is we hope for. And our soul can identify it well enough that it hungers and it thirsts for it. When I think of what we hope for, two very important and I think obvious things come to my mind. And the first is very personal for us. It is that I think we hope for the salvation of our souls. We hope that all would be well with our souls. We have a hope that the message of faith would be true for our souls. That indeed we would not have put our trust in Christ in vain, but rather will truly and will fully experience that salvation. And we hope that the tailings of sin, the, the guilt and the shame that sings, seems to hang so perniciously upon our souls and our lives, we hope that all of it, all of it will be washed away. And our souls will burst open, overflowing with merciful grace, with loving kindness. We hope this for ourselves, don't we? We hope this for our loved ones. We have had glimpses of it. We believe it to be true. We hope this for all people. We hope that all people will get themselves right with God and do so while they have time in this world to celebrate that and to experience it as fully as they can before they fully step into its full blessing and consummation after their death.
We have had a glimpse of Christ's power to redeem and to save. We've seen it in, in people's lives. They have stories to tell. They have witness to bear of transformation, of redemption, of feeling like they've become a little more whole, of being made strong enough to step away or to move towards. We've heard stories of this. Perhaps we even have stories to tell like that. We've had glimpses. We've seen transformation. We live in hope that the full experience of it will be ours. I think we have a second hope that is powerful in our lives, and, and that is that God's sovereign reign would fully come upon us all on this earth. We hope in a very personal, private way for ourselves and our loved ones and, and extensive out to the world. We hope in a very global way that God would put everything to rights. That the fracture of our creation will be healed and that the new Jerusalem would indeed descend and be among us. We hope that the lion and the lamb will buddy around with each other. We hope that the neighbor will care for the neighbor. We hope that the stranger will be seen as the neighbor. We hope that the swords will be refashioned into plowshares. We hope that God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. We hope for this. This indwelling of God's spirit in such a powerful way that all is transformed. Every bit of creation. We've had glimpses of this that has encouraged us, that's gotten us excited. We've had glimpses of arguments resolved, of people reconciling with one another of love blossoming again in what felt like a barren place. We've had, we've had glimpses of this as peace has been brokered in different places around the world. And instead of a new pulling out of weapons, it's been a storing back of weapons. We've had glimpses of the kingdom, enough so that we hunger for it, we yearn for it, we hope, we hope for it. 
We hope for no more borderlines. We hope for no more Parises. We hope for no more Iran and Iraqs. We hope for what's happening in Yemen not to be happening anymore. And we've seen glimpses of God's kingdom. People going second miles for other people, sometimes even for strangers with buzz-cut haircuts. Who would thought? We've seen that. We've seen glimpses of the kingdom where wounds have been bound, where resources have been shared, where strangers have built new tomorrows together. We've had glimpses of the kingdom. We've seen it among us here in the Caneo Valley, here in our church, glimpses of the kingdom. And so we hope, we prayerfully hope that God's will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. Discovering hope, grabbing hold of hope is not an easy thing sometimes, and we are at a time when maybe it is not an easy thing. One of my seminary professors, uh, Robert Luckock, he was a delightful older guy, and, and in one of his classes we got to talking afterwards, and I learned that his father had married my grandparents. Is that just like... Wow, how does something like that happen? And how do you bump into that, you know, over coffee after a class? How amazing. He wrote a book on uh, becoming the best we can be. I think Rachel and I are going to use that as a resource somewhere down the line. And I want to quote something that he says about hope. He writes, hope not infrequently comes from the witness others have given, a witness of which they may have been quite unaware they were bearing. Priscilla Whitehead, a frequent visitor to the Soviet Union, speaks of the Christians who attend their churches expecting a glimpse of God's kingdom, expecting it to make a difference. For all around them are reminders of ones who have walked that way before them. That gives them hope, even in times of distress. Such reminders of persons who have hoped before us give us a resource of hope from which we can faithfully live in times when hope is most needed. So if you're feeling a little ill at ease, uh, that's how I'm feeling, you're like me. If you're feeling a little unnerved, a little off kilter due to the events of our recent weeks. 
take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and then make sure you open your eyes and look around. Make sure you, you open your ears and listen well. And make sure you open your spirit. Because you will have given to you over these next days and weeks some marvelous gifts of word, of music, of stories, gifts of hugs, gifts of love from family and friends, from your church, brothers and sisters, and maybe even from some strangers who will be bearing a witness to you that there is common cause among us and we can hope rightfully for what can be better among us and in our community and in the world that we don't have to submit to the worst but we can be drawn up to the better and that we can place our hope in that. You'll hear it in the hymns that we sing. You'll hear it in the pieces the choir presents to us for anthems and at their concert. And maybe you're one of those great folk that you have hope enough, sufficient for the need right now, and you're wondering, what is Dill talking about? But maybe you're kind of like me and feel a little battered. And that, that lifeline of thanksgiving, you're pulling hard on to get yourself to that manger. Maybe you're like that. So open your heart to the witness of the faith that will be brought to us again as it was to the thousands before us who waded through the quagmires of their time seeking a better way to become. God help us, huh? God will help us. Have that hope. Amen.